You're listening, listening to, to Bible, Bible Plus. Bible Plus from Seesaw. Bible Plus is a podcast featuring short, daily discussions of every chapter in the New Testament. Bible Plus is designed to increase Bible reading, understanding, and enjoyment. Get more out of the Bible. As we open up chapter 19 today, we can see that it is a continuation of chapter 18, and the subject is Christ as life being processed through death and resurrection or multiplication. This, is, this point is very important. It's for multiplication. First, Pilate in this chapter uh, declares, I find no fault in him. He doesn't find any fault in Jesus. In verse 4, he says it in verse 6, and also back in chapter 18, verse 38. Three times, Pilate declares, I find no fault in him. We need to understand that the Passover lamb in the Old Testament was a type of Christ, and Christ came as the fulfillment and the reality of the Passover lamb. He was examined from many different angles, And here Pilate examined him and declared, I find no fault in him. In the same way that the Passover lamb in Exodus had to be examined and determined to be without blemish before it could be offered up. This is Christ. Now, Pilate, um, he delivers Jesus up to be scourged and then to be crucified. And when Jesus is crucified on the cross, Pilate uh, puts a, a sign on his cross upon which is written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. And this notice uh, was put into, it was written in three different languages, in Hebrew, representing the Hebrew religion, in Latin, representing Roman politics, and in Greek, representing Greek culture. These three together represent the entire world, all of mankind, and this signifies that the Lord Jesus, as the Lamb of God, was killed by and for all mankind. Praise the Lord. Now, the next thing we need to see in this chapter is the matter of the transfer of life. If we move to verse 25, 26, 27, uh, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He speaks something to his mother. He says to her, woman, behold your son, referring to John, the author of this book. And then he says to that disciple, John, behold your mother. So here uh, we need to realize that in the gospel of John, Jesus was being crucified for the transfer of life. So this word, which is only recorded in the Gospel of John, implies the transfer of life, the union of life. Mary, who had no life relationship with John, would now be joined in life through the death and life impartation of Christ. She would be joined with John. They would become uh, children of God having the same Father, brothers of Christ, having the same life. A transfer of life was occurring here. And the point that we're making 
is that the Lord's death in John primarily is not in relation to redemption. It's not presented primarily in relation to redemption. But the Lord's death is primarily presented in John in relation to the release and multiplication of his divine eternal life and its impartation into the believers. Now, don't misunderstand us. We're, we are not minimizing redemption. No, redemption is extremely important. We need the judicial redemption of Christ. And John does uh, point to the redemption of Christ a number of times in his gospel, even starting in chapter 1, in verse 129. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This points to the judicial redemption of Christ. We're not minimizing that. But what we're saying is that the emphasis in John related to the death of Christ is that it is for the releasing of his divine life and the multiplication of his life and his life being imparted into the believers. So this is a marvelous matter in the Gospel of John and it is seen here in this, this scene on the cross with the mother of Jesus and with the disciple John, uh, <clears throat> indicating that they would be joined in life. They would have a life relationship. That is the divine life. Now, let's move on to the next section, starting with verse 31. Here, the Jews, it says, since it was the day of preparation, uh, so that the bodies might not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, they requested of Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. Well, the soldiers came, they broke the legs of the first man, and of course this was done so that they would die more quickly. Break their legs. They came to the second criminal, they broke his legs, but when they came to Jesus, they saw that he had already died. And so they did not break his legs. They did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced the side of Jesus with a spear. Now, a couple of things we want to mention here that are very important. Number one, it was prophesied in the Old Testament that not a bone of his would be broken. The transfer of life is signified by the bone. You can go back to Genesis chapter 2, and a bone, a rib, was taken out of Adam, and from that rib was built up the counterpart of Adam, Eve. The bride of Adam was built up from the bone that was taken from Adam. Now, Adam, of course, is a type of Christ, and Eve is a figure of the church. And so, what we see here is the power of an indestructible life. It's the divine life of Christ that cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. Not a bone of his was broken. And, <clears throat> and this shows us, brothers and sisters, that when the Lord Jesus was crucified, his life was poured out and ministered to the church for the producing and building up of the church as the counterpart of Christ, to be the bride of Christ, that 
uncreated, indestructible, divine, eternal life has now been transmitted to the church. Praise the Lord for this. And then another point has to do with what came out of the Lord's side when the soldier pierced his side. Number one, blood came out. And number two, water came out. Two substances flowed out of the, of the uh, pierced side of Jesus. Now, we know, of course, that the blood of Christ is for redemption. And it points to the redemptive aspect of the Lord's death. But flowing water in the Bible, and particularly in the Gospel of John, points to the life-releasing aspect of the death of Christ. You only need to go back to John chapter 7, where the Lord cried out on the, the last day of the great feast, and he said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes into me, out of his innermost being, shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit. So the flowing water coming out of the, the pierced side of Jesus points to the life-releasing aspect of the death of Christ. You can see this in figure in the Old Testament or in type with the rock that the children of Israel came to in the wilderness and Moses struck the rock with his staff and outflowed water to water and quench the thirst of all the Jews that were there in the wilderness. Well, in, John, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the Apostle Paul refers to that story. He says, all of our fathers, they came out of Egypt, they passed through the Red Sea. They, that was their baptism. And he says they all ate the same spiritual food. Again, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. They all ate the same spiritual food. That was the manna that they ate in the wilderness after they crossed the Red Sea. And then it says they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of a rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. Paul says that. The rock was Christ. So Christ was struck. He was struck. And out of his side flowed not just blood for redemption, but water. Praise the Lord. Water to regenerate, to impart his life into all of his believers. So that through this, through the blood and the water, he could produce his counterpart. His counterpart that matches him. The blood takes away sin. It takes away the barriers so that the life of God could flow in. And now we can believe and receive his life and be built up together as the corporate counterpart of Christ. So this verse 34 is a marvelous verse. It's a tremendous, crucial verse in this chapter. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately there came out blood and water. Praise the Lord. Well, listen, most Christians overlook the water flowing out of Christ's side. They overlook it. But we have to realize, could there be something better than redemption? Yes, there is. Much more the flowing water that came out of the side of Christ 
figuratively implying the dispensing of the life of Christ for the producing of the church, fulfilling God's eternal purpose. So we are then not just clean, but also living. We're not, you know, the blood cleanses us. It cleanses us from sin and defilement. We're not just clean vessels, but we're living. The redemption of Christ has a goal, a purpose. It's just the redemption is a procedure. The judicial redemption of Christ is the procedure to reach the goal. And the goal is the dispensing of the divine life (coughs) into the believers. So that we would not only be as righteous as Christ, but also as living as he is. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for John chapter 19 and what is revealed here with the transfer of life, the the life-giving aspect, the life-dispensing aspect, life-releasing aspect of the death of Christ uh, as seen by the water that flowed out of the side of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.